Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiding beneath the waves of southern Japan is a mystery. A massive and perplexing stone edifice called the Yanaguni Ruins. Its detailed structure and precise angles appear to have been man-made. Yet since the site was discovered by divers decades ago, it has done nothing but divide the scientific community. To some, Yanaguni is the last remnant of an advanced culture, thousands of years older than the pyramids in Egypt. Skeptics, however, believe the formations are a natural, albeit strange, geological formation. But now, evidence collected from the site, including intricate carvings and potentially man-made objects, could answer the question once and for all. Now the bad news. The ruins are remote. They're located off a volcanic island in the East China Sea. The waters there are swirling with deadly currents, and it's a breeding ground for hammerhead sharks. But the only way to know if the Yanaguni ruins are the archaeological find of the century is to examine the newest evidence and then dive down and study the site firsthand. So what are we sitting here for? My name is Josh Gates. With a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration, my travels have taken me to the ends of the earth as I investigate the greatest legends in history. This is Expedition Unknown. Just getting to Yanaguni is a challenge in itself. From New York, I fly to the West Coast, then across the Pacific to Tokyo, and then on to another flight down to the tiny island. After 22 hours of travel, I touch down. Delirious and enthusiastic for the adventure ahead. Time to see what this place is all about, before I rendezvous with Kihachiro Arutake, the expert who first discovered the ruins. Welcome to Yanaguni Island. Not exactly a bustling spot. It's only about 11 square miles, home to about 1,500 people, and I have seen exactly zero of them so far. I've heard this island referred to as quiet. I think that's something of an understatement. It's like I'm in The Walking Dead out here. In fact, it's so laid back that there's just one stoplight on the entire island. It's a world away from the frenetic Japanese cities to the north, a place that seems perfectly content to just be. Fishing dominates the local economy, and every facet of daily life seems connected to the sea. Yanaguni is quiet because it's so remote. It's actually Japan's westernmost point, just 70 miles from the shores of Taiwan. Besides the undersea ruins I've come to investigate, I pull over and walk through the woods to see Yanaguni's other bizarre local draw. This appears to be a 200-foot-long child's slide made out of scorching hot metal and rollers from a meatpacking factory. 
In the United States, this slide would exist for one day before a class action lawsuit shut it down. I don't know why this exists on this island, but here it is, just waiting for some idiot to try it out. Here we go. Ah! Oh, oh God, did the people who built this test it? Ah! Oh, God, oh, God. What a wonderful ride for all the kids. The real attraction on this island, though, is submerged just offshore. So if I have any chance of understanding the Yanaguni ruins, I obviously have to see them firsthand. And to do that, I'm going to meet with the man who discovered Yanaguni. I arrive at the docks to meet with legendary diver Kihachiro Arutake. Arutake not only found the Yanaguni ruins, but he continues to study the site for evidence of human construction. Hi there, I'm Josh. Thanks for having me aboard. I'm thrilled that he's agreed to let me tag along on his latest survey. Once we're clear of the harbor, Mr. Arataki and his son Shorty recount the discovery of the site. When did you first find the Anaguni ruins? In 1986. 1986? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diving research. Diving research? Yeah. When you saw it, what did you think? Underwater Machu Picchu. Looked like Machu Picchu? Yeah, yeah. he got goosebumps. Did you immediately think that it was man-made? It's unlike anything you've ever seen before. Once I saw the site, there was no doubt in my mind it must be man-made. Who do you think made the site? Only God knows. Only God knows. Here's the rub. The discovery of the Yanaguni ruins could be a groundbreaking find, but only if someone can prove that it's man-made. And so far, that's been surprisingly difficult. Supporters like Arutake believe the ruins date back more than 4,000 years. They claim that it was once a coastal city, a towering structure of rock-cut temples and massive stone architecture that was swallowed by an earthquake like the legendary Atlantis. As we approach the dive site, a looming rock formation comes into view. Tachigami Iwa, which means standing god rock, towers above the submerged ruins like a sentinel. It's a jaw-dropping wonder that some believe also has signs of ancient human construction. Are you ready? Yeah. Man, do people tell you that you look like Bruno Mars? Bruno Mars? Yeah. Sometimes. That's a compliment. <laughs> I'm telling you, we get some rollers in your hair. It's full uptown funk on this boat right now. Mr. Arutaki's boat has a glass bottom, and I head below decks for my first look at just how difficult this dive can be really hard to maneuver in here, especially with these huge underwater rock formations. This can be one of the most challenging dives in the world because there's incredible rip currents here. The boat is going to get to the best position it can, we're going to exit, and then the current is going to take us to a different position where the boat will pick us up. Okay, let's get suited up. Come on. I head topside and get geared up for the dive. I overheard there's a, there's a deep current. The way that I understand it from him, you don't really get a second pass at it because the current just pulls you along the side. I see. So I think we drop down deep and then we just follow Irataki and document as we go. Look back once in a while, bro. <laughs> All right, don't lose me. Yeah. I don't know what to expect, but honestly, I'm skeptical that whatever I'm about to see is really a man-made Atlantis. Let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. We 
We've entered the water just west of the dive site, so the powerful current will drag us toward it. I follow Arataki through the tunnel, and once we emerge on the other side, I get my first look at the mystery that is the Yanaguni Ruins. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm off the coast of a remote island, exploring what's known as the Japanese Atlantis, a massive underwater rock formation called the Yanaguni Ruins. I follow my guide through a strange tunnel, and once we emerge on the other side, I'm stunned by what I see. After a short swim around the point, the full scope of Yanaguni comes into view. Oh my god, absolutely amazing. It's enormous, so much bigger than I expected. The western side of the site opens up to what's called the main terrace, and what appear to be steps cut at 90 degree angles. There's a fierce debate as to whether these are the remains of a civilization older than the pyramids, or simply a bizarre natural formation. We get swept along by the current, which pulls us from one bizarre site to the next. The steps lead to what's called the Upper Terrace. This is the top of the monument, and it's covered in what certainly looks like cut channels, which some believe were used for drainage. As the current continues to push us east, we come to a place called the Pool. Some sort of depression here. It's absolutely huge. This wedge-shaped depression could have stored water for ceremonies. Some sort of holes on the side. Several perfectly round holes around the perimeter look to be drilled down into the rock. Holy 
analysis of the rock sample could determine how old the site is, and just as importantly, how it came to be. Floating upwards out of the trench, I met with an undeniably artistic-looking formation. This is known as the turtle. The lines and angles look, well, they look perfect. And to be honest, my skepticism is suddenly fading. That is wild. There's one more part of the ruins that Aratake wants me to see. We swim around to the east, and I'm shocked to see something that appears to be looking back at me. My head is spinning with everything that I've just seen, but the current is picking up and our air is getting low. As we get pulled by the swirling water, Arataki releases an emergency buoy to let his team know where to collect us. The boat adjusts course toward our beacon and carefully navigates into position. Since the vessel is unable to anchor in these conditions, getting back on the boat is like climbing onto a moving train. Miss the ladder, and you've got a decent chance of getting diced up in the propeller. Once we're safely aboard, I'm left to figure out exactly what it is I just saw. What is going on down there? I almost need to talk myself out of what I've just seen, because that looks fan-made to me. But I don't know how the hell that's possible. So now we just have to figure out what it actually is. Easier said than done. To get to the bottom of the mystery, I'll have to meet with experts in both camps. I'm going to start with the latest evidence that the site is, in fact, a sunken ruin. Okay, first order of business is to take a closer look at the island above the water figure out if there's anything up here that could really give us any clues as to whether or not the Yanaguni ruins were made by man. Before it was part of Japan, Yanaguni and other volcanic islands were part of the Ryukyu Kingdom. The Ryukus were an independent civilization that spent 400 years torn between China to the west and Japan to the north, before being annexed by Japan in 1879. And there's still evidence of their culture today. I pass by hundreds of strange tombs in Yanaguni's lonely graveyard. They resemble curved turtle shells, and there are terraced steps that resemble the shape of the underwater formation. I've heard that locals here have discovered a stone carving in the jungle said to be almost identical to the face found underwater at Yanaguni. Masahiro Tanaka is a researcher here who's volunteered to share the findings with me. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I've read that there's this rock structure high up on the island that may be related to the Yanaguni ruins. I've heard you're the guy to talk to about it. Yes, it's a formation that we think is carved. It appears to be an alien face. Like an alien face? Hi. Really? Okay, well, let's saddle up. The carving is hard to reach, located high atop a steep cliff that overlooks the Yanaguni coast. Feels like another world in here. Yeah, Really, really dense. And of coral path. Definitely 
This would not have been a fun ride on the motorbike. That's a tree. Fine, don't worry about it. I got it. Okay, whoa, 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 Koki, come on. God, this horse is like dying to run. Oh, okay, go, do, do. Yanaguni has this very small breed of horse, but they're very powerful and very fast. What's his name? Uh, Daruta. Daruta? Is that Japanese for sea biscuit? Sea biscuit? God, I'm doing everything in my power to keep this horse from just breaking out into a full gallop. This horse wants to move. This is crazy! Slow, slow it down there, girl. Good Lord! Come on. This horse is like a rocket. <laughs> my horse wants to race. Whoa. After placing in the inaugural Yanaguni Derby, my horse finally slows his pace. We dismount and walk into the jungle on foot. Wow. Oh, ho, ho. whoa. That looks like a face, big time. Oh, a tongue, it's like a tongue coming out of the mouth. There are some really compelling elements here. This especially looks really sculpted here. We have this, this almond-shaped socket and you can see the same kind of arc over here on this side. And it looks like a brow and it has the general shape of a face. And as you said, a, a tongue sticking out. It's really compelling. There's no missing it and no mistaking it for anything other than a human face. Much like the ruins though, its origins are a complete unknown. This looks like something from the Goonies. You know the Goonies? Yana Goonies? No? Okay, so Masuhiro may not be up on his 80s American pop movie references, but that is a solid joke, people. And you think this could be related to Yana Guni, to the ruins? This mountain overlooks the ruins. Many believe that this face is a totem, a guardian for underwater ruins. This is sort of watching over the ruins then. Yes, this is considered a holy site. Remove your shoes. Let me show you something else. Okay, I'm behind you. Shoes off. Here we go. Wow. This is amazing up here. This is the best view on the island. Yes. What is this? It's believed that this was used for rituals. A place for an offering. It's a perfectly circular depression. This is a very strange site. I'd love to photograph the entire rock so that we can get a better look, you know, at its exact shape. I photographed the rock to create a detailed three-dimensional model. By comparing this to the supposed underwater face, we should be able to tell if these were deliberately constructed. Everything I've seen so far has been incredible, but also circumstantial. To get hard facts about Yanaguni, I need to consult with a leading scientist who's thoroughly studied the ruins. I catch a quick flight from Yanaguni to the largest of the Ryukyu Islands, Okinawa. Okinawa is sort of the other Japan. When we think of Japan, we tend to think of technology and neon lights, and here it's tropical. It feels like you're in Hawaii, and the locals are really laid back. This is kind of a looking glass version of the Japan we think we know. My meeting with the professor isn't for another hour, so I take a moment to explore Okinawa's culture, its people, and it's creepy toys. This is a vending machine that dispenses toys uh, in the shape of horribly depressed Japanese businessmen. Collect the whole set. I'm just hoping for this guy who lost it all in the stock market. Oh yes, here we go. This is literally a sad guy just staring at his smartphone. Why? Oh God, sir, no, don't do it, don't jump. Another vending machine dispenses, well, 
Japan, let's have a conversation here. I understand cultural differences, but you gotta cool it with this. This is weird. Next door, the market has several local delicacies on display. Among them, umibudo, savory sea grapes. And from this, you can make a tiny bottle of wine. It's this big. Like all of southern Japan, life in Okinawa is dependent on the ocean. Can I see what you're cutting? Yeah. Yeah? And that means really fresh sushi. I do this, I could be a sushi chef. Go good. I'm good? Yeah. Well, all right. Can I have a job here? Yes? Yes. I can? Yeah. Hello. Uh, we are closed right now because I'm eating all of the food. Apologies. After quickly losing my job as a sushi chef, I'm back on the road. I'm headed to meet with a Professor Kimura from the University of the Ryukus. This is really the guy who has been at the forefront of advocating for the Yanaguni ruins being a man-made structure. Nobody has done more research or work on the monument than this guy. Building the Yanaguni monument would have required advanced tools and techniques that weren't believed to exist in Japan thousands of years ago. If Professor Kimura's groundbreaking theory is correct, it would totally alter our understanding of human history. How old do you think this structure is? When do you think this was carved? We found coral samples on some of the rocks at the ruins, and carbon tested them to determine that they are more than 3,000 years old. What do you think happened? Do you think that it sank into the ocean? I believe the monument was a religious site that was built on the shore. But shifting of the earth from plate tectonics and earthquakes caused it to sink. And what do you think about the people who built this? Are they a lost civilization of some kind, or are these the people that became the Ryukyu Islanders? The Ryukyu people lacked the metal tools needed to carve the monument. It would have to have been built by ancient people who came from the mainland. When you first saw the site, what were the things that led you to believe that it's man-made? There are strange marks across the ruins that indicate the monument was cut using tools. We also recovered something amazing that may prove that the ruins were built by hand. Whoa! That's a cross or an X. The professor reveals a rock fragment with an unmistakable cross carved into it. That looks 100% like it was carved there. That's very compelling. Are there other structures like this in the area, or is this totally unique? You have to look at other ruins from the culture that followed Yonaguni. You'll find there are some very striking similarities. Before I go, I have to ask one last question for all the Yonaguni truthers out there. The number one question, was this made by aliens? <laughs> Wink if you believe it is and they're listening. Okay, so while there's no evidence here of alien construction, Kimura directs me to a place that might have a real link to Yanaguni. These are the remains of Katsurin Castle, built about 600 years ago in the 15th century by the Ryukyu Kingdom. And you find castles like this all throughout these southern islands. Now, if the Yanaguni ruins are man-made, they would have been built thousands of years before castles like this. And there is a kind of eerie similarity between the shape of the Yanaguni ruins and the design of these fortresses. The dark stone, the tightly fitted angular blocks, the terrace-like architecture. It all feels evocative of the underwater formation. Professor Kimura and others believe the advanced civilization that built Yanaguni didn't completely disappear after all. But others have a different view, and one scientist has discovered something that might refute what I've learned about Yanaguni. To reach him, I'm headed for yet another island. 
I fly north to Japan's main island and its second largest city of Osaka. It's a drizzly, Blade Runner kind of morning as some of the city's 2.7 million residents make their way to work. Like much of Japan, Osaka feels part utilitarian and part futurescape. The Japanese also love rules. No smoking, no bicycles, and no dancing. Ah, what the hell. The city is also famous for its eclectic food. Arigato. Okay, let's see what we got here. I opt for the omakase, which means chef's choice, as in not yours. Yes, that is an octopus. Oh boy. The guy at the bar manages to kill my lunch before I have a chance to give him a name. This is crazy. Never seen anything like that in my life. All right, this is this looks great. Here we go. Mm. It's fresh. Very chewy. Very alive. The suckers are sticking to my tongue. Oh, you still, you still got some fight left in him there. Oh my god. I feel like Captain Nemo right now. This is the first and only time that I've had a meal that sucked and didn't suck at the same time. After lunch, I head to a rural hillside just east of the city, where I meet with archaeologist Professor Michio Maizano, who has something incredible to show me. Together, we head into the soggy jungle and slog our way up a steep embankment. At the top is something totally otherworldly. What is that? That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. What, what am I looking at here? What is this? It's called the rock ship. He thinks that the people were building a tomb with this rock, but abundant. Maizano believes the tomb was carved nearly 1,500 years ago as a burial. But who are we kidding? This thing looks like a crazy alien spaceship. What is it made of? Is it granite? Kakogan. Yes, this is granite. Granite is really hard. How did they cut so cleanly through the granite? By iron tools they had. Iron tools. The rock ship is truly bizarre, and it shows that people in this region could craft even hard stone into very angular shapes. This thing is strange. Two huge carved square indentations that go down into the structure and all sorts of other carved features, but it really doesn't look like anything else that you see in terms of tombs in Japan. It's totally unique. But even if this does kind of look like Yanaguni, like the castle, it was made thousands of years later when iron tools had been invented. So how did the stone at Yanaguni get shaped? I take the rock sample I collected from the underwater ruins and go to meet with geologist Masahide Furukawa to learn more. Professor, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Well, I brought you a present. I brought you some rocks. These are from Yanaguni. I want to understand if, if you think that what's at Yanaguni could be man-made or if you're convinced that it's natural. He believes that the waves hit the sandstone and overlap on each other and make the stairs. In every sandstone, there is a thin layer of mud in between, and that's where it starts cracking, and that's where it breaks off. So you can see these thin, straight cracks in it. And so that's why sandstone comes off in thin pieces. Mm-hmm. I see. According to the professor, the Yanaguni ruins are the result of the Pacific Ocean's powerful current relentlessly smashing into the brittle sandstone. 
To demonstrate, he's going to put my rock samples to the test. Uh, and, and I will say this, it did crack off in a perfectly straight line. And it did create the beginning of what looks like a step down and a flat step down at that. That's very compelling. My little sample is one thing, but Professor Furukawa offers to let me strike an even larger slab to see if the results can be repeated. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here, sir. I'm not authorized to do this. Oh. So, flat pieces. We have these 90-degree angles here. It looks very squared off. I think you might be onto something here. Thanks to the professor, I've seen that ocean currents can act as a hammer against sandstone and carve strangely angular-looking structures. And there are other geological forces at work here, too. To learn about them, I need to meet volcanologist Dr. Akihiko Yoku of Kyoto University. He's a busy man, so I'm meeting him in his office, which today happens to be a helicopter headed straight for an active volcano. Is this your personal helicopter? You're like a James Bond villain. <laughs> he explains to me the incredible volatility going on beneath the surface of Japan. How many active volcanoes in Japan? Uh, 118 volcanoes in Japan. 118 that are active? Exactly. Actively erupting? Yes. Wow. More than 5,000 per year. That is Aso Volcano. That's Mount Aso? That is very active then. Great. We should definitely go right towards that. She looks like she's smoking. This is a very sketchy place to be hanging out. The heat and steam from the volcano create dangerous thermal conditions for the helicopter. Get bumpy. Difficult flying conditions up here. Very low ceiling and surrounded by these peaks, so we're catching a lot of wind shear. Oh my god! Look at that! With a caldera 12 miles in diameter and 80 miles in circumference, it is one of the largest volcanoes in the world. And an eruption now would certainly be my last day on the job. That volcano looks angry. Looks like the old road to the peak is totally destroyed. Here's the old gift shop. <laughs> Volcanoes and earthquakes are a part of the fabric of Japan. The country sits on four tectonic plates that are constantly shifting as they're forced together. Some believe the impact helped create the Yanaguni ruins naturally. In fact, just recently, tectonic activity created a whole new island off the coast of Japan. How much land has it created? More than uh, 250 hectares. Do you think that something like the Yanaguni ruins are man-made, or do you think they're natural from, from volcanoes and earthquakes? Uh, I think that entire island has been shaped by tectonic activity. I think it's entirely natural. Think of the ocean floor near Yanaguni as the rock in the geology lab, and the earthquakes and the ocean currents as the hammer. I can now see how so many perfect right angles might suddenly appear down there. When was the last time that Mount Aso erupted? Three days ago. Three days ago? Yes. And when is it going to erupt again? Today? Yes. No. I'm not sure. <laughs> no. Let's go home before it explodes. Yeah, I want to go home. I want my mommy. Speaking with the scientists in Osaka has left me conflicted. There is compelling visual evidence that Yanaguni is man-made, but there's also natural explanations for the formation. Armed with so much new information, I need to see the ruins again to make a final determination for myself. Flying back to the Ryukyu Islands, I return to where my investigation started. It's time for me to determine, once and for all, if the Yanaguni ruins are man-made. 
I rejoin Mr. Arutake, the discoverer of the ruins, and his son Shorty, who are taking me back to the site. Today's dive is particularly dangerous. An incoming storm has made the currents even worse than usual. It doesn't take long to get to one of Yanaguni's perfect right angles. Up close, the edges show the same kinds of ridging and shearing that my samples did in the geology lab. Chalk one up for the natural phenomenon crowd. These cracks look like a submerged version of what I saw at the Mount Aso volcano. We head inside to investigate. The caverns get tighter and tighter, and we're on the verge of turning around. Finding this stalactite is proof that this cave was once above sea level. It doesn't settle the question of whether Yanaguni is man-made, but it does mean that it's likely that it did slide into the sea. My last order of business is to return to the formation resembling a human face, to see how it compares to the face I scanned on land. I take as many photos as I can to juxtapose the two faces and determine if they really are carved. With nothing but ocean on one side and powerful waves crashing into the rocky shores on the other, we need to hold on tight and ride it out. We swim to open water, but as it turns out, we're not alone. Black-banded sea crates possess venom ten times more powerful than a cobra. The really bad news is it can swim faster and maneuver better than I ever could. So Shorty pulls the cord on the beacon, and we make our way back to the boat. What a dive. Really bad currents. You okay? Really intense. Now that I've photographed the two mysterious rock faces found on Yanaguni, I can compare them side by side. Time to see what's really going on here. Okay, so we've stitched together the photos that we took underwater, and now we're gonna compare those with the photos of the supposed face that we took photos of on land, high up on the cliffs. So here's a rendering of the underwater photos stitched together, and you can see it does look like a face. The nose isn't quite as convincing once you see the full texture mapping on it, but there is an outline there that certainly could be the remains of what was a nose. No real clear chisel marks, though. And when we look at the photos that we took on land, something really interesting emerges. The face, which looked really compelling up on the cliffs, when we see it fully mapped with 3D texture, it actually doesn't look as much like a face. It doesn't really have a mouth or any solid features down there. That rock that's supposed to be a tongue is sort of blocking what really is the whole missing bottom half of this. Now, let's take the two images and overlap them. When we map the two over each other, we see that in fact they don't really bear very much resemblance to one another. And I think more than anything, what we're looking at here might be a couple of round indentations in rocks that happen to take on the look of a face. 
to get to the bottom of the mystery that is the Yanaguni ruins, I've hopped my way across the islands of southern Japan, and I've had the adventure of a lifetime. Ultimately, everything I've learned about the ruins brings me full circle to the belief that they aren't man-made at all, but a natural formation of astounding uniqueness. Likely, they are a product of tectonic shifting and pounding currents that have shaped the seabed into a kind of geological snowflake. The rock faces? They're interesting, but detailed scans show they're likely natural. And the symbol found on the loose rock? Very compelling, but not attached to anything, so who knows how it got there. But the ship at Masuda is man-made, as are the strange tombs and castles across southern Japan. And there's so much we don't know about these later cultures. As for Yanaguni, half of it is still buried in sand. To the faithful, I say keep looking. I don't think it's the Japanese Atlantis. But that doesn't make it any less of a wonder. <laughs>